the earmark of a believer is not the haughty, I told you I was right, self-assertive, arrogant one. Pride is one of the three ways that men of God stumble. One of the big three, you might say. Oh, beware of pride. Don't be wise in your own estimate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't be wise in your own estimation. That's the essence of wisdom, Proverbs 3, 5. And he closes off this great section by saying, look, don't be wise in your own estimation. Now, if I could give just a short summary, he calls for real love, genuine love. He says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Rejoicing and Weeping. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. There are widows that are close to the heart of the Lord. Minister to them. There are those who are hurting in a variety of ways. Uh, Notice what Jesus promised. There's two results promised. Look at verse 14. You'll be blessed. You will be blessed. You can't really outgive the Lord. And when you reach out to people and strangers, people you don't even know, and you just make, take the initiative in your neighborhood to be that kind of a person, have them over, you'll be blessed. And then notice, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? There'll be blessing in time, and there'll be reward in eternity when we operate in a Christ-like way. Don't just uh, treat your entertaining schedule or what you do with your resources at your house as uh, what you do for your own enjoyment. That's a distortion of Christian character. Now, don't misunderstand me. You'll enjoy it. I think people with the gift of hospitality or who have a particular strength, they really do enjoy it. They're blessed. Jesus said they would be. But there's great reward also. And we can use our homes as humble as they are or as rich as you are. I don't care. What, what, whatever you've got, use your means to reach out to people. And uh, God will bless that. And he uses that to draw people to himself. Now, back to our text. He just kind of moves on as he develops this. And he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Three things here. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And curse those who curse you. (laughs) Are you listening? (laughs) That's not what it says. He says weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But he doesn't say curse those who curse you. That may be what we'd expect. That may be, in fact, is... What we do by nature. But that's not what he calls for. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Well, I'll tell you, that's a tall order. But uh, let me give you four things here for real. This, first of all, is the consistent teaching throughout the New Testament. This isn't just kind of one little phrase Paul threw in in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, "Uh, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's a typical man's distortion of God's word. 
Doesn't the Bible say to love your neighbor and hate your enemy? No, it doesn't, Jesus said. I say to you, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. Or let our Lord's words just comment on this. Again, turn to Luke 6 and just listen to his words. Luke 6, starting at verse 27. But I say to you, hear. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as you want men to treat you, treat them in the same way. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Our Lord uh, consistently called for this. The New Testament is consistent in this teaching. But secondly, our Lord didn't just say, do this. He did it. He really did. You watch him throughout life. And he manifests what he's calling for here. You see him picking up the ear of Malchus, the slave that Peter cut off. When they came to get him with swords and clubs, he, the one who said, turn the other cheek, picked the ear up and put it back on. He healed his ear after Peter lashed out. And the ultimate expression, of course, is he hung on the cross and they'd ridiculed him, they'd laughed at him, they'd mocked him, they'd spit on him, they'd beat him up, they'd crushed this barbed crown of thorns into his head, they'd whipped him till he was just a mess. And he was hanging on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's amazing to think that Jesus actually operated this way. And then... Isn't it shocking when you read in the pages of Scripture that others followed his footstep? Uh, look over at Acts for just a second. Acts chapter 7. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Acts chapter 7. When Stephen... Filled with the Holy Spirit, gave his great testimony of who the risen Christ really was. And his brethren, Israelite brethren, rather than hearing him, gnashed their teeth, they stopped their ears, and they rushed on him and began stoning him. And you know, to be stoned wasn't just a few rocks thrown at you for, so the TV cameras would, cameras would see that you're a protester. They would crush people to death when they stoned them with huge rocks. And when they'd driven him out of the city, Acts 7, 58, they began stoning him. 
And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That's amazing, isn't it? Paul, who is the one who is standing there, Saul, later, when his life had been touched with Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, when he'd come to know Christ, whom he was persecuting, whom he was watching, as, as Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. One of the ones that he prayed for was Saul standing there, and Saul later became Paul. And Paul writes in Corinthians 4, when we are reviled, we bless. He writes in Romans, bless those who curse you. Bless, don't curse. Bless those who persecute you. It's amazing to read it. This is so practical, by the way. Thirdly, not only did our Lord call for it consistently, He did it, and those who follow Him did, but it's so practical in every realm. When you're reviled, don't revile in return. In the church, at the office, in your marriage, Look over at 1 Peter for a second. 1 Peter chapter 3. As he's giving marital instruction. You see, any kind of conflict, and you know what it's like. How easy it is to return like for like when there's tension. And if you are insulted, return with insult. If you aren't appreciated, then don't appreciate and just give like. And God says, no, when you're persecuted, bless. Don't curse, bless. Bless those who curse you. Well, right down to the one closest to you, your spouse. If it's true of your enemies, how much more should it be true within your marriage? And as he's giving marriage instruction, he says, verse 8, to sum up, he kind of summarizes, he says, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a, giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. I'll tell you what, at work, in your marriage, tension with another in the church, I don't care what their situation, if you return tit for tat, things escalate. If you give a blessing instead, things de-escalate. And God uses that. And our Lord manifests that. And those who follow him did. Now let me give you a fourth thing about that. This is difficult. In fact, it's impossible in the flesh. This is not the way we operate. When somebody says something to me, I'll just turn it around and I've got a quick tongue. Acid tongue if I want. This is not the way we are by nature. How can we do this? How can, I mean, it's one thing, you know, to say, well, give a blessing instead. How can we do this? First Peter 2, our Lord is the example, and it says, while being reviled, verse 23, he did not revile in return, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Keep your eyes on your father. Jesus did. 
While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. God's going to get you for this? No. But he kept entrusting himself to his heavenly Father, who judges righteously. First, keep your eyes on the Father. And then, and I don't take the time, but I suggest to you that the one characteristic that is underlined repeatedly in Stephen's life how is it that Stephen, as he's being knocked to his knees with these rocks, as he's being crushed by Israelites for just saying to them that Messiah is here, the one who fulfills all your history, how is it that he can say, Lord, don't hold this sin against them? What gave him that strength? The one characteristic that God said, when you pick seven men, you pick men full of the Holy Spirit, and they found Stephen, a man full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit. And we read it repeatedly, and even right at the end, it says, Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit. You let the Holy Spirit control your life. We are to be Spirit-filled, and as we are, He will actually bless and curse not. He actually gives us the power to turn the other cheek, to love our enemy, to not say what we would say under those circumstances, etc. I'll tell you, you'll never do it on your own. Paul said, you know, it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me. And if ever it seems to me a verse calls for it, it's verse 13, or excuse me, verse 14 of Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Honestly enter into uh, people's joy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, that's a mark of Christian love. Instead of resenting that, boy, they got blessed again, kind of secretly, you know. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be thrilled if they're rejoicing. If God has blessed them, praise God. And weep with those who weep. Enter into their sorrow. Jesus did. It amazes me when I read in John 11, when he went to the tomb of Lazarus, whom he knew he was going to raise. He was going to display his power. He was going to say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is going to come forth. But he didn't come in there and say, wait a minute, let me handle this. Quit your crying. Watch this. No, there was none of that. He saw them weeping, and we read, Jesus wept. Weep with those who weep. He knew that all things work together for good, those who love God. He knew there's a resurrection coming. He knew there was going to be one about a minute and a half that was the source of their sorrow, but he took the time to weep with those who weep. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I, we lose sight of the big picture. We're sorrowful. We weep. It's not wrong to weep. We grieve, just not as those who have no hope. But when we weep, he weeps with us. He's a sympathetic high priest. Aren't you glad? I don't know what you're going through today, but I know that there's real heartache in life. And Jesus knows it, and he weeps with those who weep. And uh, 
He hasn't changed. He never will. He's a great, sympathetic high priest. We can go to him, Hebrews says. He knows he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He knows what we're made of. And he prays for us. And he says to us, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. He, uh, he says, be like me. Manifest my character. Don't be, uh, don't be in a hurry to cheer people up. By that, I mean this. Uh, you know, you might say, I know myself. I don't feel naturally able to show mercy or compassion. I'm just not built that way. Some, it just, you know, empathy just comes out of people. And you just sense, boy, if you're in the hospital, that's who you want there. But that's not what people say about me. And I know. I, and maybe you're sitting there saying, I don't know what to say. So I just don't go. I just don't, I don't spend time with those who are hurting. I just don't know what to say. Listen, you don't have to say anything. Just be there. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't be in a hurry to cheer them up. The proverb says, like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. You don't have to go cheer someone up. You just go and be with them, and they'll cheer up as you. And if you get chance, you can bring perspective. You can bring truth to bear. You can bring the word of comfort, and obviously we should. But you don't have to change the mood. No, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And then this section ends. Look at verse 16, where it began. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You know, I mentioned this, but it's been a while ago because there's so much here. We've taken some time in this section. But verse 3 and verse 16 are like borders to this whole section, like bookends. Listen to verse 3. Through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. This section began with what? Beware of thinking too highly of yourself. Beware of having too high a self-image, if you put it into modern language. Beware of those who say the big problem is li in life is that you don't have enough self-worth, enough self-confidence, enough self-concept. Jesus in the Scripture says the opposite. <laughs> Beware of thinking too highly of yourself. That's what we're prone to. And when he finishes it all, speaks as he describes genuine love and what Christian character really looks like, he gets down to verse 16 and he says, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. A call for real Christian unity and real Christian humility. Notice, being of the same mind with one another doesn't mean always seeing eye to eye. It has a lot to do with how you respond when there's those inevitable differences. And when you put the higher cause above who's right and who's wrong and that sort of thing, and you're of the same mind toward one another, the mind of Christ, you manifest and you associate with the lowly and you're not haughty in mind. Peter who had a long ways to go in this area when Jesus met him toward the end of his life. He wrote in 1 Peter 5, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. The earmark of a believer is not the haughty, I told you I was right, self-assertive, arrogant one. Pride 
is one of the three ways that men of God stumble. One of the big three, you might say. Oh, be aware of pride. Don't be wise in your own estimate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't be wise in your own estimation. That's the essence of wisdom, Proverbs 3, 5. And he closes off this great section by saying, look, don't be wise in your own estimation. Now, if I could give just a short summary, he calls for real love, genuine love. He says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Let's see real love. And then he describes it. And if you've been listening and you're thinking at all, you realize this doesn't just happen. I can't crank this up. Don't think that this is Christianity, just going out and trying to be this way. No. This is the fruit of the life of Christ. There's only one who can live this kind of life. And he came and he lived it. And he died at the hands of evil men. But God raised him up again and he's still living his life through his spirit in the life of believers who are filled with the spirit. The life of Christ, the body of Christ is the church. And the life of Christ is evidenced through believers who walk with him. This is love. This is what he calls us to live. This is what we're to be as Christians. We can't do it on our own. I underline it. You cannot. I cannot be this way. But Christ can, and he will, as we walk with him. Don't be thinking you can. Don't be wise in your own estimation. And if you're here and you're just looking into Christianity, maybe you don't know Christ, don't take a message like this and say, okay, that's what I'd have to do. Okay, well, I don't know if I, that's a tall order. Well, you can never be that. That's not what being a Christian is. You come to Christ as a sinner and he'll change you from the inside out. You must be born again. Or don't think, I could never do that, I'm walking. No, you could never do that. That's not what being a Christian is either. You come to him as a sinner and he comes into your life and forgives you and his spirit takes up residency in your life and this is what the Christian life is. And obviously, we all stumble in many ways. But just the same, it's a beautiful thing when you see the life of Christ manifest individually, in a family, in a marriage, in a church family. It's a beautiful thing to see the life of Christ contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing stranger love and hospitality, not just trading dinner invitations, but actually reaching out to people where they hurt, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, blessing those who curse you. That's the life of Christ, and it's a winsome thing, very winsome. It's the light in the darkness today, and our dark world definitely needs to see this kind of living. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Rejoicing and Weeping, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. 
It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. So when he says, respect what is right in the sight of all men, he's not saying be a man pleaser, but he is saying be mindful of what offends others and try not to. Don't go looking for uh, trouble. In some sense, there are some Christians even who seek to offend the outside world almost. Don't be like that. I think it's happened since uh, these words were pinned. There's that perversity of our, of our uh, tendency to, to enjoy being persecuted and almost look for it. Oh, no. No, you never see our Lord operating that way. And Paul said, don't, don't pay back evil for evil and, and respect what is right in the sight of all men. Take thought for, uh, you know, not offending. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Overcome Evil with Good. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 